giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another um, episode of Humanity First. My name is Peter Evers, uh, and I am the CEO of Bamsey. And um, we're going to talk again about mental health this week. Uh, it is uh, the month of May, and the month of May has been designated as the uh, men uh, mental wellness month, mental health month. Um, and there are lots of uh, things that are going on in the in the state at the moment celebrating mental wellness and I do like that pivot that movement away from talking about mental illness to talking about men mental wellness I think what that does is it underpins the notion that recovery in mental illness and uh, also in addiction are possible and the majority of people who struggle with these diseases although they might struggle over their lifetime um, they uh, can live uh, full lives uh, and later on in the show we're going to have a couple of people come in and they're going to talk about their stories from an angle of uh, success from an angle of hope uh, and, and an angle of triumph frankly stories that don't begin well that don't have a great middle but at some point take a real turn for the better in terms of the recognition of the of of the possibility of recovery uh, and these stories when i heard them really moved me and i i'm sure they will you but it is a time to take pause it's time to think about our mental health system the system itself is under fire at the moment there was a parity law passed by the feds about 15 years ago and by parity we talk about there being the same ability for people who struggle with mental illness to get services that are evidence-based and recovery-based in the same way that somebody who has a physical illness like cancer uh, or diabetes has. Um, and I think there was a great deal of hope at that moment uh, when, when, Senate, when the Senate passed that bill. But the question is, has that really worked? Is there still parity in the system? And I think that question is addressed when we ask the question, has our mental health system been successful or has it failed over the last, well, let's say 50 years? Because 50 years is an interesting time because it was President Kennedy that created the community mental health centers in 1965 um, and, and, let, and has that really um, had the effect that it should have done, i.e. emptying out large asylums where you used to have 2,500 people, uh, Taunton State, near to here, even in 1978, had 2,500 people uh, uh, locked away, essentially for the rest of their lives. Yeah, we've been successful because those people have come out uh, of those hospitals. Uh, in our state system uh, in Massachusetts, we probably only have 380 people, perhaps 400 people who are hospitalized long term. The rest of those people have found their way back into the communities. But has the system failed those people because many of those people are in jails now rather than in hospitals? I'm afraid so. Uh, if you take some time and spend any time in our, in our penal institutions across the state, you'll find that a very high percentage of those people have struggled with addiction and mental illness. And for the most part, although the prison system tries their best, they're not getting the treatment that they need. We're beginning to, or we have for a long time actually, treated mental illness as a crime. Um, I think it's 
I think the failures of the system sometimes show up uh, in uh, fatal mass shootings, for instance, uh, in this country. And then you'll have uh, politicians saying, well, you know, it's all about mental illness. But at the same time, we're asking those politicians, are you brave enough? Are you willing to accept that we have uh, a duty and a responsibility to make sure that we treat people uh, with mental illness the same way as we, d we do with people who have physical illness. So I think the jury's out on a success or a failure of the system. We still have an awful long way to go, but we're talking about it. We're having conversations with each other. Young people are saying, "My I, I was in therapy today. My generation would never have had that conversation. They wouldn't be brave enough to do it because it was such a stigma. We're making progress, and that makes me, that makes me joyful in the month of May. And you're going to hear these stories of hope, which I'm sure are going to make you feel that we're on the right track, but there's still a long way to go. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm an essential worker here at Bamsey, and I'm a nurse. Nurses are essential here at BMZ because as nurses, we really have the opportunity to make an impact. We have very small ratios, so we have the opportunity to really learn everything about the person served and be able to give the best care. It really serves such a great purpose for me as being a nurse and really why I came into nursing. Learn more about nursing opportunities at BMZjobs.org. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Humanity First. And uh, as we were talking about in the first segment, um, this month is Mental Health Month. May is Mental Health Month. And there's been a lot of um, celebration over the last month. And, you know, somebody said to me the other day, you know, every month should be really Mental Health Month. But May is a time when we celebrate, where we wear green, when we, uh, when we go out and we tell stories uh, about mental wellness. It's interesting that the National Council for Mental Illness has recently changed its name to the National Council for Mental Wellness. I really like that because mental health is something that everybody has. And I think over the years, there's been so many uh, tropes and so much sort of conventional wisdom. You, you know, you switch on the, the TV or the radio and people use language that, you know, in, for any other group wouldn't be used. Um, and we're beginning to address that, that words matter, that, uh, that the way that we engage matter. And I think what's really important is thinking about mental health as a disease, as a chronic disease, that has some of the better outcomes in health uh, than anything. For instance, way better outcomes than, um, uh, than diabetes, for instance. Not a lot of people know that. So we thought it'd be great to have two folks come in and talk a little bit about their stories. And their stories are laced with resilience. They're laced with hope. They're laced with this idea that recovery is real, that recovery is possible, and a life can be led well, even when people struggle with trauma, when they struggle with depression and these kind of things. So welcome to our guests today. Uh, I'll do the introductions. We have Stephanie Martin, who is our employment uh, coordinator at BAMSI uh, in our clubhouse. Uh, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Peter. And Nicole Schaefer. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Good. Nicole is a member of our uh, clubhouse um, and uh, I would say a mover and shaker in our clubhouse from what I've heard from many, many people. And I'm so glad uh, and I'm so happy that you have 
um, being brave enough to step up and tell your story because your stories are stories of hope. Your stories are stories that resonate with people who might be listening to this, who are in the middle of some kind of mental health crisis, who might be thinking there's no way out of this, who might be thinking there's nothing that I can do to recover, to get back to a place of wellness. So I'd like to start, maybe Nicole, we can start with you. Um, your story really touched my heart when I heard it. Let's let's begin at the beginning, um, Nicole, because maybe let's tune into when you were a teenager, when you mm -hmm. when you first realized that there were, there were problems. Yeah, I realized that um, I had problems when I was thirteen. Um, my sister had passed away, and um, I took that very hard, and um, I realized. I could. I didn't know what to think or what it was at that age. I didn't even know that at that age that it could exist, that that person so close to you, to you can just disappear in an instant. I was so young and, and my family all grieved her loss for a long time. She was my, she was my best friend, honestly, and it was a traumatic for all of us for what happened. And as I got older, because I was so young, not understanding it so well, as I got older, I understood it more. Um, I started turning into drugs and alcohol, trying to numb the pain, and started doing the party scene. And... Found, and, you know, I found myself homeless, broken, sick, like a lot of people. And I was living that way. And I made the choice to get help and section myself. It was the best decision I have ever made. I've had so I've had had my ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. But I have learned that if you take your meds and ask for help, things can get better. I have found support through many people and resources, including Crisis, DMH, Bamsey, including my house that I live at, and Clubhouse. <clears throat> I've been cleaning sober now, and I'm working my way towards success that I know I will find. And I'm thankful for the help and support from everyone that has given it to me. And I am most thankful for knowing the true strength that I have been going through all this, this whole time. Amazing story, Nicole. You know, so much to unpack there. First of all, uh, the loss of a sibling, you know, is probably one of the greatest traumas that a child can go through. And, you know, I know that you're grown up now, but that trauma, I'm sure, lives with you, you know, with, with, with thoughts of, of, of loss. Um, the other thing is this bravery when when you just just to be clear for folks who are watching when you said you sectioned yourself that means you went and asked for help in the hospital right? i did you did again another momentous decision when you realize that there's got to be something more than this and then you realize that you can't do this on your own mm -hmm. and that is true for everybody and you know in in my opinion and many other people's you know it is unusual for us to go through the life cycle without experiencing some sort of mental illness you knew that you needed help and you reached out. There was a system of care there for people to help you. They didn't, they didn't guide your recovery, right? They just helped you along the way. Helped me along the way. You paved that road for your own recovery. I did. 
And that's the success story. That's the wonderful story. And when you look back on this, um, and then we'll, we'll get to, to Stephanie, but when you look back on this, were there times when you thought, I don't have any hope? Were there times when of you course, thought- Of course, yeah. of course there was, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't believe it, it, you know, that all this was out there and all you had to do was just go get the help and it was there. And everybody that I've seen in my life, I've always told them, go get help, go get help. And they just say, oh, I don't need it, I don't need it. I'd rather stick a needle in my arm mm -hmm. or I'd rather go drink. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself as a as somebody now who can help others? I really hope so. Yeah. Because I, one of the things I hear, and this is Stephanie's story as well, is that part of people's recovery is really getting involved in the community and helping people and saying to those people, you know, I was there, look at me. Um, and you really do, it seemed to me that you're very empowered to say that. I really am. Mm -hmm. I, I'm glad that if I can help anybody, even one person, that would make me so happy. Well, it sounds like you have done that already. Thank you. <laughs> Nicole, again, thank you uh, so much for telling that story. We'll come back to you, but um, okay. just like to transition to Stephanie. So Stephanie, you are, have been an employee at BAMSI for how long? For nine months now, since August. For nine mm -hmm. months. Um, and you bring so much to uh, the clubhouse. You bring so much to um, your position as employment coordinator. And I do want to talk about the importance of work uh, for people who struggle with the disease of mental illness as well. Uh, so we'll get to that. But but your story is one of those stories as well that sort of inures in, in hope in individuals who, again, may be in a position that Nicole was and you were at, at some point when you thought there is no hope. So can you tell us a little bit about that story? Absolutely, sure. Um, you know, <clears throat> looking back, um, it started in childhood for me as well. There was, um, you know, lots of trauma. Trauma was the childhood. Um, you know, I'm, I can say now that uh, there's a lot of my childhood that I actually don't remember. Um, and, you know, parts of me are grateful for that, of course. But, um, you know, it comes back bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But there were some trauma those, um, you know, witnessing abuse at an early age, domestic violence. Um, you know, seeing um, people in my family being abused, but there was also, you know, I, I was a victim of abuse myself. Um, you know, it kind of, it was kind of sporadic throughout my childhood, but at 11 years old, I remember watching my little brother, um, there was a family member a little older than us who forced my brother to, uh, to pass out. And um, mm. I chose to spoke up to an adult that I trusted um, at the time. Um, to save my brother. I, at the time, wasn't strong enough to speak up for myself, but, you know, to say, you know, in retrospect, going back and like now what I do for work and stuff, always trying to help someone else, not myself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, through my journey, I found out I had to help myself as well. Um, you know, right away after that happened, we got taken out of that environment. But, you know, like Nicole said, um, you know, there was there was always something, you know, I had had the weight of the world on my shoulders. So of course I turned to the party scene as well. I turned to spending time with older guys, you know, at a young age when I shouldn't have been doing that or, do, you know, not going to school when I shouldn't have been doing that and stuff. People around me would be saying, Stephanie, you really got to get some help. And I'm like, I got it all together. I don't need anything. 
you know, and um, I just, I ended up, it was like an all or nothing thing. A lot of us, you know, who have addictive personalities, all or nothing. I threw myself into work. Um, I became a restaurant manager, which for anybody with any type of mental health conditions, that's a rough job. Yeah. Uh, my heart goes out to you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was working myself to the bone, but I wasn't taking care of myself at all. Um, you know, the real change for me happened about when I got into treatment. It was finally I listened to all those people around me saying, you've got to get some help. Um, about 15 years ago, I took that suggestion. Um, you know, I didn't go into a hospital, but I called up a mental health facility and said I need to make an appointment. And I didn't know what to expect, you know, but I went into counseling. I went into psychiatric treatment. Um, I got diagnosed, which was interesting for me. Um, all those little things that people around me were like, I think you might have, you know, all those little voices. And, you know, I did find out that PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up going into trauma therapy. Um, I spent about a year and a half going through some pretty deep trauma therapy. It was very difficult. Um, but now stepping out of that, you know, I you know, do therapy when I feel I need to. I'm not currently in therapy, but I know that's available when I need to. I am in psychiatric care. I will be for the rest of my life, and I know that, and that's okay. You know, I love my psychiatrist. I think she's like a friend of mine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it goes outside of that. For me, you know, talking about it, you know, not keeping it private. You know, when I was little, it would be like, you know, if you have something wrong, you talk about it at home, you don't talk about it outside. Mm -hmm. That is the worst advice. You know, people got to talk about it more. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And, you know, to be, and not not everybody can talk about that at home. You know, you might not want to talk to your spouse, your parents about what's going on. You might need to find a trusted friend, a teacher, you know, someone at a day program, wherever it is. And whoever that is that you can trust, that's important. You know, and, um, you know, for me, my next step was then to take that um, and to go into the helping profession myself. And honestly, that's the biggest key that's helped me is um, kindness, just being kind to others, compassion, and being able to lend a hand when someone needs that hand to pull them up. That's the one thing that keeps me going more than anything else, you know, that if I can help somebody in any way, like Nicole was saying, I hope I can help people. If I can help even one person, that can make my day better, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, there are so many things there that I'd love to pick up on, but um, you know, one of them is this whole idea of maladaptive coping. You know, both of you said that, you know, the, tr the, the, the psychic pain that you were in, you found that if you, took drugs or alcohol, you were essentially self-medicating, right? Mm -hmm. You would be able to get away from that pain for a little while. Of course, you know, we all know that the, the consequences of that aren't great, but it's actually understandable, isn't it? That if you are struggling, if you have such negative feelings and you can make them go away for a little while, it's very understandable why that why somebody would do that. The great thing about treatment is that treatment does that without the negative effects of drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I said my entire career, treatment works, and it's really important that we get over to people that there is hope that we do know as a system what we're doing, and that people can really benefit from it. And to have folks that have been so successful tell their stories about, look, here I am today, and by the 
the way, the other thing is that the line of recovery, the arc of recovery is not linear. It is broken sometimes, you know, feeling bad, needing to check back in for treatment, whether it be inpatient or outpatient, totally normal process. You know, a little bit like, let's go back to diabetes. You know, you need to go and have your meds checked. We all need to get ourselves checked every now, now and then to make, the, make sure that everything's uh, okay because things happen in our lives that disrupt our mental health. It's perfectly normal to do that. Um, and then the last thing I think is something that Nicole mentioned as well, this idea of helping is healing. This idea of getting involved in the community so that you can tell your story. Getting involved in, in employment in your case, Stephanie. It's um, okay to, you know, ask for the help. Ask people, your peers, your counselors, anybody, your doctor, therapists ask for that reach out and ask for it so if there's somebody watching this right now nicole mm -hmm. that's the message that you would give yes. give them it it's tough to do this alone but there's people out there that can help yes and it's family and it's yes. friends it's mm -hmm. churches it's anything it's anyone it, that you can make a relationship yes with, a connection anyone. With. yeah yeah. Stephanie, you, you're very specifically working with people in employment. How important is employment in, in people's lives who are struggling with, with mental illness? I think that, um, you know, one of the reasons why I do employment is actually because of how important employment's been for me throughout my own um, story. You know, um, there's been times in my life when I've thought I've lost all hope, but I've been able to say at least I have a job. And when I've had a job, I've had a family wherever I've worked. Yeah. You know, I've had at least one coworker or a boss or something that I know has my back. And I think that's important for others. There's all sorts of, you know, to be part of. But I also think that, um, you know, the experience of learning, you know, we've had um, at the clubhouse now, we have members, you know, who will say, because of my illness, I can't um, learn. You know, and um, I love being able to show them that they're wrong. I love being able to say, yes, you can, you know, yeah. and it feels good, you know, and that's something that I'm sure you know, Nicole could probably agree. But then, you know, our members and stuff, but like I've seen that in action. I've seen that even back in my management career, restaurant management, people that that have struggled can be the best workers, Absolutely. you know, and I honestly do believe that anybody anybody with the desire to work can work. They might not know what they can do yet, yeah. you know, and yeah. a manager might not know what job they can do. But you know, with the structure, structure is so important to our mental health, having a reason to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, also, and you know, you find your tribe as well, right? You find you find a yeah. new group of people. You know, there's so much to talk about here, and you know, and another discussion we should have is the mental health of the workforce as well post COVID. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a great conversation, but we're going to have to wrap it up here. But I do hope that you will both think about coming back and talking some more about this because I think we've just scratched the surface of hope here. I think mm -hmm. we've I think we've tapped into something which is giving a message that you know, mental wellness is possible for. Like Everybody. a banner that says hope yeah. and just give it to everyone all over the place. Totally agree with you, Nicole. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for coming in. It's been wonderful to hear your stories. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm.